Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College Hockey Talk. On today's podcast, I welcome back former Quinnipiac women's hockey player, Lexi Agia. Lexi recently just signed a professional contract with the Metropolitan Riveters in the PHF. Lexi, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, and how's everything going? Thanks for having me back. It's crazy. We're just talking about how I was on three years ago, and time flies. It definitely doesn't feel like that, but happy to be back. Well, I'm happy to have you back on, and obviously a lot has happened in your career since we last had you on the podcast. I guess the big thing, since it's the latest news, is you recently signed a contract uh, in the PHF with the Metropolitan Riveters. Uh, Talk about how that contract went down and what made you want to play professional hockey with that team. Yeah, I've talked about this a little bit the past week or so since the signing was announced. And when I was younger and even a few years ago, I didn't think I was going to have the opportunity to play pro hockey or get paid to play hockey. You know, as a little girl growing up, um, we didn't have a league or I didn't have a league to dream of playing in like the boys did. So obviously I love hockey. It's been my passion for as long as I can remember. And the fact that I'm able to play professional hockey and get paid and have a livable wage is actually crazy. And honestly, it's still pretty surreal. Um, But yeah, once I finished the season, obviously um, we had another great year at QPAC, but I knew my playing career wasn't done and I still wanted to play. And now there was opportunity to play. Um, So just super excited to have signed that professional contract and I can't wait to get down to New Jersey. That's awesome. Have you had the chance to meet any of your teammates? I'm not sure if any former Quinnipiac players are on uh, the Riveters or not. Yeah, so I actually went down for a skate um, the end of March. And there's um, a defense who was in her senior year when I was a freshman at Quinnipiac uh, on a Kilpinen, and she's she just re-signed with them. So a few familiar faces, which is really nice. And then um, when I went down there to skate, a lot of the girls seemed great. So I think we'll have a good group. That's awesome. Now, obviously, outside of the signing, how has your offseason been going so far? And do you have any plans this summer, whether it's hockey-related or not? Yeah, offseason is crazy as per usual. Um, This offseason, I'm really trying to focus on getting faster. So on the ice a few days a week, in the gym five days a week, and you know, trying to get explosive, work on my quickness, getting faster, and then maintaining and building strength as well. So busy offseason, but yeah, as normal. And I also, a few months ago, started um, a hoodie company with my former Quinnipiac teammates. So just trying to get that up and running has definitely been a learning curve, um, but it's been super fun. So that's kind of something other than hockey that I have going this summer that's pretty exciting. That's awesome. Do you want to plug it in for all the listeners to potentially uh, look at and potentially buy some stuff? I want to help you out a little bit with that. <laughs> yeah, if you go to the unmatchedllc.com, you can find some of our hoodies there. We actually we sold out a bunch of them at the beginning, which was pretty cool. So there's still some pre-orders and then there's a few still in stock. Um, we have a, an exclusive student athlete line and then we just have like a a classic unmatched hoodie um, says unmatched down the back on the spine. And then another one that has um, my 6am lift look on the back and our logo is a, a lion with a crown. So pretty exciting and pretty cool. So check it out. If you guys want to come be hoodie. That's awesome. And obviously we had Nina Steigoff on the podcast a few years ago as well. So I definitely want to give her a shout out just because I want to help you guys out as best as I can. Yeah, we appreciate that. Thank you. 
Well, like you were mentioning, you want to work on your skating just because you want to be faster for the upcoming pro year. What else are you working on regarding uh, your training for this offseason to help you prepare for your first year in pro hockey? I don't know. Is it different than college? I feel like the transition isn't as extreme as going from minor hockey to college hockey, but I feel like there's got to be some transition since you're playing older players. Yeah, you wouldn't think, but I watched a few games this year and it's pretty fast. And if you look at some of the talent that's been in the league and some of the talent that's coming to the league this upcoming year, it's it's getting pretty deep. Um, and now you're getting paid to play. So it's your job. So expectations are a little bit different. And if you want to make money, you got to perform. <laughs> um, so I think in that regards, it's, it's a little different. But the thing about hockey is there's so many things to work on. So every day, just working on my hands a little bit. Um, it's pretty cool. We, I'm in a new house now and we just got a new barn and my dad actually got synthetic ice put upstairs in the barn. So I've nice. been up there and pretty lucky and grateful to have that at, at my hands every day. So work on my shot. I can get a few, it's pretty big up there. So I can get a few strides and, and shots off. So working up there every day and then in the gym at the track doing some speed sessions and then on the ice with my skills coach and my skating coach. Well, this is a college hockey podcast. So I do want to talk a lot about your time with Quinnipiac <laughs> the last few years since it has last time we had you on, it was before the COVID year. And now obviously a lot has happened since uh, you've yeah. been on the podcast. So I want to start off before the 2021-22 season. You were named assistant captain. I want to ask you, what type of leadership did you want to bring towards the team uh, for your senior year? And would you consider yourself more of a vocal leader or lead by example type of player? I think a little bit of both. Um, I'm definitely vocal. I pride myself on bringing the energy, um, being loud and holding people accountable. And that was kind of my role um, as an assistant captain. But I also lead by example. I bring the energy in terms of my voice, but I also brought the energy and love bringing the energy to every practice and competing um, every practice and not just every game. I think every every time you're on the ice is a time to improve as a whole and, and individually. So in the weight room, I like being loud. On the ice, I like being loud and I, I bring the compete. So that's what I wanted to bring to uh, my leadership role. Now that season, I, I, that's this as an outsider perspective, I started to notice that that's when you guys started to become more consistently ranked in the top 10 um, in the USCHO polls. And that continued throughout your rest of your career with Quinnipiac. So my question is, what improvements did your team make between the COVID season to the last two years? Um, and how does your team sort of maintain that consistency throughout the regular season and handle the pressure of being a ranked team in the ECAC? Yeah, I think it started a few years back from my freshman year. Honestly, my class came in and, you know, we had the goal of of taking the program from a building program and making it a program that was a top 10 program consistently. Um, And I know Cass had that goal as well. And I think, yeah, it was a few years of building. And then when that COVID year came, we really took advantage of that as a team and as individuals. Um, We all did a lot of reflecting on making our good things great and then making some not so good things a little bit better um, as a team and individually. And I think just a lot of it stemmed from team bonding. Um, And we had a really, really close knit group. And we knew, you know, if I made a mistake on the ice, the girl to the right and left of me had my back. And I think that's super important when you have that trust. And I think that definitely contributed to our success that we saw in my senior year and and my fifth year and just awesome to be a part of. And yeah, you touched on it a little bit. The ECAC is a competitive league. And in my opinion, I could be a little biased, but I think it's the most competitive league 
you know, you see the most one goal games in our conference. There's not a ton of blowouts. Every game and, and every team we face was an opponent. You had to be up and ready to play for them. And I think that also helped prepare us for playoffs. And we had a few NCAA tournament runs. And I think we had some success in those because our competition was so elite every weekend throughout the season. Listen, I totally agree with you. You're preaching to the choir. I do think the ECAC <laughs> is the most competitive uh, league in women's college hockey. Just because if you look at the WCHA, it's really four teams that are like at the cream of the crop. But yeah. in the ECAC, I think there's like from one to six, any of those teams have a legit chance of making the tournament and winning the ECAC, which not many conferences can say. So that's definitely why it's very fun to watch just because of the parity that the conference has. Yes, no, for sure. For sure. Fun to play in too. Absolutely. Now, I'm curious because you sort of mentioned it sort of started with the COVID season from some of the stuff that you learned. From my perspective, it seemed like your team was sort of up and down, and that could have been partly because the pandemic, because you had sort of an inconsistent schedule and were only playing three other teams. But what did your sort of team learn from that season to help gain your success from your senior year to your fifth year? Yeah, I think we learned how to deal with adversity and become resilient. I think that's what a lot of people can take away from COVID. It was an uncomfortable time. Um, and our strength coach, Coach B, one of my favorite people ever, he preaches, you know, you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and that's how you get better. And so that year was an uncomfortable year. It was a time where we had more practices, way more practices than we had games. You know, we were practicing six times a week. So trying to find time to keep it fun. Um, it's hard when you're a hockey player. Yeah, you like to practice, but the best part is playing the games. Um, so I think just dealing with that adversity and, and learning how to deal with adversity, getting comfortable being uncomfortable and uh, becoming resilient really helped us moving forward into my last two years. Now, your team won the Nutmeg Classic for the second time in your career, beating UConn in their home barn. Uh, what did that Nutmeg Classic win mean to you? And what was it like playing in those in-season tournaments, especially since last year you never got to play in the Nutmeg uh, in Quinnipiac? Yeah, I think the Nutmeg was one of my most memorable experiences um, at Quinnipiac the few times we played in it. It's fun to play in the team, other teams in Connecticut. And even if you're not on your own home soil, it's still pretty close to home. I um, mean, it's fun competition. I also knew a lot of girls um, from the area and on UConn. So just a fun environment to play. And it's always fun to win a trophy. So I think it also builds your confidence as a team. And I think for us winning the nutmeg um, that year did build our confidence. And we went on a pretty good run after that, the first half of the season. Especially since there were two really close games. Obviously, you beat Yale and OT and then UConn. That game was a one-goal game. And if I'm not mistaken, it was a late goal that sort of won it for your team. So those games, I think yeah. you can learn a lot from. No, exactly. And and it's nice to get some out-of-conference. Like, yeah, Yale's in our conference, but playing UConn, it's, it's nice to get a little out-of-conference experience because I think every team in these different conferences play different. Like the ECAC is a very defensive conference in my opinion um so when you play some out of conference teams it's a little bit of a change and it forces you to adapt and can exploit you a little bit um and challenge you and i think that's what helped us after that but just a fun fun atmosphere to play in and definitely fun to win a trophy now you won your first playoff series against clarkson during your senior year which i thought was i didn't realize up until doing research for this podcast i guess what'd you take away from that series and how much did it mean to you to be a tough team in clarkson because i feel like once you got that playoff series when you sort of knew what it was like to win those big uh, playoff games and it sort of helps you prepare for the tournament yeah we hadn't won a playoff series um up until that point my time there and we wanted to win and we swept clarkson so and we swept them pretty good 
and I, I have some girls in Clarkson, so I won't bash them too bad. I think they have a great program and great girls down there, but we were ready to play and we were resilient and we attacked them. And I think after we won the first game and we saw what we were capable of, um, it was just no letting down after that. We took it to them and it was nice to also play at home. You know, we hadn't had that either. So that's a series that I will take with me and remember for so long. And and just winning that series, it meant so much to not only our seniors, but our fifth years too, that, you know, that was five years it took them to win, to win a playoff series um, and against an amazing opponent. So yeah, definitely a great, great series and also a good builder for our team moving on to the, the later rounds of the playoffs. <clears throat> yeah, and you want playing your first NCAA tournament game against Syracuse that season. Talk about that game and just playing in your first tournament and what it meant to the program, because that was the first time you guys were back and I think like four or five years since that when that game was played. Yeah, uh, again, I just think it was something we were working towards, but we knew we were capable of getting there. It was just that we were finally there. It was It was so exciting. And I remember <clears throat> former players and alums from so many years wrote us little notes and we had them all pinned on the board um, in our lounge as we were walking out to get on the bus to go to the airport. And I think, it was so cool just to see the support we had and the people that had been watching us all season and, and really believed in us. And also just in our locker room, like we believed in ourselves and a lot of us knew it was a long time coming and we wanted to, to make it there for each other. So that, so we did. And, and I think it was just a super exciting um, feeling. And I know our school and, and the program and alum that came for us, were all super excited for us as well and proud. And then you played in a two OT thrower against Ohio state. And funny enough, that wasn't going to be the longest game you ever played in. Your yeah. um, talk about that game. Cause obviously Kareen Schroeder had probably the game of her life. And what did you take away from that game heading into your fifth year? Because I feel like it motivated your team to accomplish big things. I'm um, heading into that your final year of college hockey. Yeah. I think first winning the game against Syracuse, that was the first NCAA tournament game our program has ever won. So we were on a high a little bit, but then, you know, you're up against a crazy tough opponent like Ohio State. And I think we went into that game a little timid and there were a ton of nerves, which you can't blame us. <laughs> you know, that's expected. And I didn't think we really came alive until overtime. Um, and, you know, to tie it up that late to take it to overtime, all of us really thought we were going to win that game. And we hit a post and a crossbar in OT. Um, and that's just sometimes how the game goes. Ohio State played a great game. And yeah, Schroeds is a brick wall. <laughs> She's pretty incredible. And she held us in there for a long time. But I think also in OT, we had some great chances. And and it just, the puck wasn't going our way at that point. Um, but Ohio State was a great opponent. And we knew that we left everything on the ice that we could have. So yeah, it was upsetting to lose that game. And it wasn't the result we wanted, but um, we also were super proud of of how we did play and how we came back to tie that game up. And, you know, we took them to double OT and they ended up winning the national championship. So, you know, that was the closest game they had had. Um, so we were right there. I think that's what kind of sucked. <laughs> mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, just kind of how it goes sometimes. But just just an awesome experience. And it definitely fueled the fire going into the next season. Absolutely. And obviously that barn is super small. So the atmosphere is pretty unbelievable to play play yeah. there. I just know that. I remember someone saying the locker room's like in another building. So the walk to the ice is like the longest walk of like oh, yeah. all time, which is like 
I don't know how you guys do that. That's pretty weird. Yeah, it was a long walk. This past year, we stayed in stayed in a different locker room, but the first time we were there, yeah, it was like across the road, down <laughs> some stairs, across the gym. Yeah, it was about like a five six minute walk to get to get to the rink in your skate. So that was that was an adjustment, but the atmosphere was super cool. It was really loud in there, um, which it was a good atmosphere to play in, and, and we really enjoyed it. Now, what made you want to use your extra year of eligibility and play for Quinnipiac for another season? You know, I think my time at Quinnipiac was incredible. Um, And when I was going through the recruiting process, I knew that was the place I wanted to be. And I felt like we had some unfinished business. Um, Unfortunately, we made it to the exact same spot we did the year before, but I wouldn't have traded that or changed my mind if I could go back. I, I would make the same decision over and over that program and, and the people in that program, my professors, our support staff, Coach B, um, has given me so much and I've learned so much. And I'm just so grateful to have had not only four, but five years there. And then you were named captain of the team uh, for last season. What did being named captain mean to you personally? It was a super special um, feeling and it was an honor. You know, I think about the captains that came before me and in my freshman year, I really looked up to Melissa Samuskevich, who who was my captain as a freshman. And I had some amazing leaders to learn from before me. Um, and it was just an, an honor that my teammates saw me as a leader and they trusted me and Z to lead the team. And yeah, a special feeling, a really special feeling. Now, you dealt with an injury this past season that a lot made you miss time uh, during the regular season. How did you sort of handle the adversity of having an injury during the season and just talk about what the recovery process looked like for you to get back on the ice. Yeah, it was pretty tough. Um, but again, I couldn't control it. Tough shoulder injury. I was out for 10 weeks. Um, and for me, I hadn't missed, I maybe missed one or two games when I was really sick. I think my sophomore year, but other than that, I had some good luck and I didn't have any other injuries during my season. So it was hard because I was given this fifth year um, and I missed half the season, but again, you got to control what you can control. And I think for me, it took me a few weeks, but I knew I could contribute to my team, even if I wasn't on the ice and I could still be a leader and I could still help them win. Um, even if I wasn't on the ice and I knew I had a bigger role to play and I had to kind of change rules and, and help some of the other girls that weren't playing as well. Um, but I think for me, coach B helped me a lot and it was just mindset, um, I work, got the chance to work on some things that I normally wouldn't have got the chance to work on in season. I think I came back the like most fit I've ever been. Like the amount of conditioning I did when I was hurt, the bikes and and things I could do, um, I did, and my legs were super stable, and I was able to come back and jump right back into play, which. I know my coaches are pretty shocked with, and I shocked myself with that as well. Um, But yeah, you know, it wasn't the easiest time at the beginning, to be completely honest. And I don't think it would have been for anybody, but I did a lot of mental work and and I was able to to become more resilient and and focus on the things I could control so that when I came back, I, I was ready to play and then came back for a few games and then unfortunately got a concussion and missed another few weeks. So a year filled with adversity and and everyone asked me like oh like did you expect that no I didn't I didn't expect to miss more than half of my fifth year but again I never expected to have a fifth year either so for me I just focus on the things I could control and each game 
that I got to play, I was so thankful for, um, and just thankful to have a fifth year, even though it didn't necessarily hundred percent go the way I wanted it to. Um, I learned a lot from the experience and, and I'm just so grateful to have had that fifth year. So when you're on the bike, you had the strap, just like doing it. I, I've never seen that before. Yeah, I did. I think it was, uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks after I was doing ISO holds, which are awful, awful, but they're good. <laughs> they're yeah. good for strengthening your legs. And then, yeah, I was on the bike with my arm just close to my chest in my sling and had it tight to me. And if it wasn't painful or it was a little painful, I pushed through and, and yeah, had to do what I had to do. Yeah. I don't know how you managed to keep balance. Cause I feel like I would be very wobbly if I had to do it that way, just because I'm so used to like you touching the handlebars when I'm using that. Yeah. Machine. Yeah. It was definitely an adjustment, but for me, going from doing like two workouts a day and a skate to doing nothing was just like, even just for a week was driving me crazy. So whatever I, I had to do and, and adjust to, I did. Cause I think with no exercise, I, I really would have gone crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously you started slow. I wasn't going a hundred miles per hour on the bike to, to begin with, but it was better than nothing. And one thing I noticed about your team was you are obviously the only player that was injured and missed some time. Alexa Hoskin missed time. Kendall Cooper missed time due to injury. So did you guys sort of lean on each other during that time when you guys were out to sort of like help each other? And do you think that sort of made your team closer in some way? Yeah, I think it did. And through all the injuries, everyone on our team was so supportive. Like I can't even count on my hands how many times people have reached out to me. You know, how are you doing? Do you need anything? I know this is a tough time for you. I know this isn't what you wanted. Um, and everybody had each other's backs, which I think just speaks to the character and the people we have in our program. It was awesome to be surrounded by. But yeah, for sure, we definitely did lean on each other and that made it easier. Now, one of my favorite parts of your game has is how good you are at face-offs. And it's my one of the most interesting parts of hockey, in my opinion. So I just want to ask you, how do you work on that part of your game? And is there any strategy behind winning face-offs consistently? Because from talking to someone who plays in the ECAC, they do research on the refs, like how they drop the puck. Because I guess each conference, refs drop the puck differently. And yeah. there's different stances you have to work on. So I'm just curious what sort of the, how do you sort of prepare for those face-offs that you win? Yeah, I don't think I ever really looked into what the refs were doing more into my opponents. Um, I knew what hand all the centers were on the teams I was going against. I knew their tendencies. Um, and I had a lot of success in actually tying a lot of centers up. And I, I would talk to my wingers and they would know, even in my D zone, a lot of times I'd be able to tie up um, and, and get my wingers to come in and help out. I think for me too, just watching some different NHL players that have had a ton of success in the face-off circle, like Bergeron, Taze, Drew, Crosby, um, people like that, and watching the different things they do um, that I can try to emulate and bring to my game. I like to do that as well. But I think for me, it's also mental having the confidence going into the face-off circle. And then also the preparation, like I said, I, I knew who I was going up against and I knew their tendencies. So I think the more you're prepared, the more confident you can be, um, which I think helped, but definitely, definitely a part of my game. I like to practice um, and that I pride myself on for sure. Did you like what the social media team's nickname they gave you, the face-off queen? I don't, the know face -off you, queen. I don't know if you came up with that or not. So, No, I didn't. But Maggie, our old um, social media girl, she came up with that and it was kind of funny, but but I kind of liked it, not going to lie. <laughs> Who was the toughest player to go up against in the face-off dot during your college hockey career? Uh, 
I would probably say um, when we played Ohio, Gabby Rosenthal, and um, I'm not sure if you if I pronounced her last name right, and then Emma Malte, they were two girls who were pretty elite on the faceoffs, and it was different. Again, we're playing out of conference, and you know, normally in conference, if you, we'll play the team a couple of times. So if I'm, I struggled against an opponent, then I can kind of adjust the next time. Or when you're not playing a team and they're unfamiliar, um, it's hard to adjust right away to some different styles. So th- those girls were two that were great on the face-offs and that I had to really think about what I was doing in between periods and try to adjust for sure. Yeah, but you were Emma Malte's former teammate at one point, so I feel like you would have known some of her tendencies a little bit, or if she changed at all since uh, you last played with her at Oakville. Yeah, I think it's different when you're going against versus when you're playing with. I think when I played with her, I could have probably learned a few things from her, but I think you're more focused on who you're going against and the other opponents than what your own own teammates are doing. Um, but yeah, so still an adjustment to go to go up against her. Now your team made it back to the tournament and you got to play against Penn State and you guys won that game in a three overtime thrower. Uh, my question is, how did you manage playing in such a long game, not just physically, but mentally as well? I think sort of people forget about that part of it. And what was your reaction when uh, Madison Chandler finally scored the game-winning goal? Because I love Zoe Boyd's reaction behind the net. I just want to know what your reaction was on the ice. Yeah, I think first um, I talk about Coach B a lot, but he gets us right in the weight room, but he also gets us right mentally. And we knew when it went into overtime that that game was going to be ours, whether it took two overtimes, three overtimes, five or six overtimes. Like we knew we had the legs and we knew we had – the mental aspects to, to get us through it. And we're leaning on each other and we had full faith that we were going to win that game. But I think at first when she scored, we were all a little surprised and also just relieved at the same time. And then just super excited to get on the ice and, and celebrate with her. I know as a freshman, that's a goal she'll probably never forget. Um, and just such a great girl to score that goal. And she had produced a lot for us in the first half. And so I know for her, Scoring a goal like that will be memorable, and and she was capable of scoring that. So glad she put it in the net. We we definitely were tired at that point, um, but just so excited and and to know we were going up and moving forward again it was a great feeling. Yeah, and obviously, like I was watching the Hurricanes Panthers game a few weeks ago, and that game obviously went to four overtimes, and they were saying yeah. how they were like eating like pizza and stuff like in between periods because it got to the game got to be so long, and you just need the calories. I was curious if you guys did anything in the locker room like that, eating sort of unique foods uh, before each overtime. Yeah, we definitely didn't have any pizza, but we had a lot of snacks, a lot of people eating like bananas and rice cakes and peanut butter, you know, different bars, chugging some Gatorade, trying to get the quick calories in, but nothing that's going to make us feel too heavy. And I had my Apple watch on during the game, and I think I ended up burning like 4,000 and something calories at the end of the game. So definitely, yeah, definitely had to eat a little bit in between all those periods for sure. Now you play in your final college hockey game against Ohio State. How have you reflected on your final college hockey games almost three months later? Because I saw a video that you made and it seemed like it was pretty devastating in the locker room. So I sort of want to ask like how you've sort of uh, reflected on it since since that game happened. Yeah, I think, you know, you never realize how fast time got, time goes by. And the older girls always tell you like, don't take it. Don't take it for granted. It goes by way quicker than you think. Like goes by in a blink of an eye and you're like, no, no, no. Like I still have a few more years. And then you get where you're in your last year and 
you know, it, it didn't even just hit me in that game. It hit me so many games before when I was playing in other teams' barns for the last time. You know, it was like my last time playing at Clarkson, my last time playing at Harvard, my last time. So you think about that more when it is your last year. And when that game ended, I think, yeah, it, it was pretty devastating. It was pretty sad. You know, your college experience is something that if I could do another five years, I would. <laughs> um, but obviously you have to move on at some point. And so I think for me, it was sad and it was pretty like surreal. I couldn't really digest it even for a few weeks afterwards. Um, but now that I've had time to reflect, it's more just a feeling of gratitude. I had such an incredible experience and I'm so lucky to have the experience I had. I learned so much. I grew as a hockey player in ways I never thought I could grow on the ice. And I grew as a person in ways I thought I never could grow off the ice. Um, so there's so much and so many good things and good memories I can take away from my five years. So now it's, it's more of a happy and grateful feeling looking back. And I think, you know, I have this new journey ahead of me, which is exciting. So I think that helps a little bit too. And, and I won't be too far from QPAC. So I'll definitely go back and visit a few times. Um, but yeah, definitely emotional and took a little bit of time to digest, but now looking back, just super grateful. Yeah. It must, I feel like you're, when you look back on your Quinnipiac hockey experience, it's going to definitely benefit you years after um, you graduate. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. There's so many life lessons on and off the ice and even in the classroom and, you know, even skills like time management. I was taking crazy course load plus hockey. There's so, so many things I can take away that will, will benefit me for years to come for sure. Uh, so we're now in a segment I like to call the non-hockey segment where I ask you some non-hockey questions just to get to know you a little bit more off the ice. Now, I tried to do some different questions in the last one interview we had. So I just found some random questions online. So hopefully um, we'll get to learn a little bit, a little bit more about yourself. So yeah. first one is, what's your favorite class you've ever taken at college? I think in the MBO, MBA program, I took a consulting class and we got to work with real clients. And I'm super social um, and I love kind of like the strategy and creative thinking aspect of things. So that class, I, I got to like some real life work and it was, it was really enjoyable. So I'd say that has to be my favorite class for sure. What is your guilty pleasure song? Um, I think Mambo number five, <laughs> I hope you know it, but when I was little, I used to like dance around the house that, and I still think it's like a bop that I, that I can jam to all the time. <laughs> How can you tell if someone has a good sense of humor? Oh, that's a good For one. For me, I said being sarcastic or making something funny in awkward situations, which I feel yeah. like. Is yeah, I was going to say, like, normally if someone's sar sarcastic and has a good sarcasm, normally they're pretty witty. Now, what is the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Actually, this morning I was reading a, a news article about an Australian snorkeler who escaped a crocodile attack by like prying its mouth open. That's I was on the news today, which is pretty crazy. Um, He ended up not even having any major injuries. And when I was reading about it, he said like his head was literally in the crocodile's mouth and he somehow like opened its jaw, which is like pretty insane. So I'd say that's probably something interesting I read today. That sounds like the most Australian story I've ever heard. <laughs> Someone yeah. surviving a crocodile attack, so... Yeah, that's why that's why I'm that's why I always leave wildlife animals alone. I don't want to go near them at all. So Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think for me, honestly, just the Golden Knights winning the Western Conference final and the Stanley Cup final should be very interesting. And 
just an yeah. interesting tidbit is we're going to get a new Stanley Cup champion this year. Both teams have never won before. So that's I'm excited to see what happens in that series. Yeah, I'm excited for that too. I think it's going to be an awesome series. What is your most embarrassing hockey moment? Oh, if I think of one from this year, probably, I don't know if this would be my most embarrassing, but kind of just what pops in my mind right now is uh, one time I tried to hop the bench and I like completely missed putting my hand down and just like ate it <laughs> over the bench. So, and I'm pretty sure we we're going on the back check, back check. So coach wasn't too happy about that one. Um, and I definitely was a little embarrassed. So that's first thing that pops into my head. Did your teammates let you know about it though? Yes. Yeah, they did. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Now the last non-hockey question I want to ask you is, uh, so, so you and Nina Steigoff might have some of the best style I've ever seen uh, pregame. So I want to know like what goes in behind that. I think so. Nina and I are like best friends. We're super close and we both love clothes and, and love, love dressing up. So it started this year. We planned our home opener outfit with the pink suits and the hats and after we did that everyone was like what's next like what else do you have planned and at that time we're like we weren't planning on doing anything else but then we kind of had to so we had some good sparkly ones we had the blue ones and then at the tournament I had an all gold and she had an all sparkly one so I think for us it was just something fun to do we definitely spent some money on some of those and I'm not sure if I'm ever gonna wear some of them again um, we also had some contributions from Nina's mom. She bought us matching blue sparkly boots. That was a, a nice touch, but it became something fun for us to do. And, and our coaches and teammates always looked forward to see what we had in store. You got to bring some of those back for your pro hockey games, just so you can get other people who might not know about it, some recognition on the style that you have. Yes, for sure. And I think, well, the ribs have some blue in them. So the blue, the blue one might be able to make a comeback and pink too. That can always come back. Exactly. Who has the best style on the team outside of you two? I said Sadie Pierre, just because it's very like casual, but I think she makes it work. I was just curious what your thoughts were on that. Yeah. I think we have some different, like Alexa Hoskin and Maya Labad have more of like a casual, cool style. Sadie has good style. Um, Kate Villeneuve has good style. Yeah, I think our team dresses pretty well for the most part. Now, getting back to some, I guess, hockey questions now, but it's been three years since we had you on the podcast. So what have you had the chance to watch it? And I'm just curious what your thoughts were on the podcast since we last had you on, because I thought it was just pretty crazy looking back on it. Yeah, no, I have definitely listened and watched some for sure. And I just think it's so cool to see how you guys have grown. And a lot more people know about you guys now than when I was on three years ago. And you've definitely had some like cool players. You've had some cool stories on there. So I think just more people to relate to and more hockey stories, the more more you're growing. And it's it's awesome to see you grow and, and super exciting. I do miss the purple room, though. Yes, I know. We upgraded from the purple room. <laughs> I, we moved uh, houses two years ago. So yeah, a little upgrade from the purple room, but maybe I'll I'll ask my dad to, to paint one of the walls purple, bring back some memories. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, anything you want to talk about? The floor is all yours. And who should we have on the podcast next since you know so many people? Oh, gosh. I have to do some thinking on that one. Um, you already had Nina. She's she's chatty as well. You can get some players back on if you want to hear more stories from them. All right. I'll do some thinking on that, and I'll definitely let you know when people come in mind. But 
Yeah, no, I just appreciate you having me back on here. I I love talking about my experience. And it's also nice because some of the questions you ask, I don't ask myself. And, you know, I think for me, it helps me reflect on my time and some memories and things that I wouldn't maybe have reflected on and, and which I need to do more of. So it's a good reminder for me to think back on the good times and things, ways I've grown and things I've learned and, and how I'm going to take that into the next chapter. And so I appreciate you having me back on and asking me some, some good questions. And I'm excited to see the people that you have on here next and, and excited to continue to follow you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the kind words, Lexi. It means a lot to myself. And thank you for coming back on the podcast. I really enjoyed getting the chance to talk with you again and sort of reflect on your final years uh, with QPAC. And uh, obviously, it's a big hockey school with what's going on now. So I hope it continues on the women's side as well. Hopefully, you guys can add to that national championship uh, collection. So thanks yeah. for your time. You're a great player, a great person. And I really enjoyed getting the chance to talk with you again today. Thank you so much. Secret